Welcome to the Bright Morning Podcast. I'm Elena Aguilar. All right, folks, today I want to pull back the curtain and talk with you about conflict and how you can manage conflict, whether you are considering conflict that you have with a colleague, with a supervisor, or with a direct report. I'm going to give you three tips that you can use that are relevant regardless of the person you're having the conflict with, and that could actually be someone outside of your professional sphere as well. But before we kick things off, I want to quickly thank friend of the podcast, Katie M. from Massachusetts. And to learn more about becoming a friend of the show, click on the link in the show notes. We've got different tiers of memberships, different opportunities there. And this community just gives me so much joy and I'd love to have you join us. So check out the show notes. All right, on to the show. All right, let's get into exploring conflict. And as I said, I want to pull back the curtain and share with you how I think about and approach conflict. And when I talk about conflict, I write about this in the Art of Coaching Teams, I'm often talking about unhealthy conflict and healthy conflict, of which we probably don't have enough of in our schools, in our workplaces, really in our relationships, in our world. And we don't have enough of it because we are so afraid of unhealthy conflict. We're so afraid of not having the skills to deal with conflict, and so we avoid it. And I'm right there with you folks. I avoid it too. I don't like conflict. And I avoid it. And I avoid healthy conflict and unhealthy conflict. And... I also dive into it. And I want to tell you about a few instances in which I opened up conversations about conflict and what happened in those and the strategies I used, which again are strategies that you can use. Before I get into those instances, I want to name that the first thing that you need to do when you consider conflict is take into account the power dynamics that are present with that conflict. The relationship that you have with the other person and which power differentials are present. So I'm going to be naming those power dynamics in the three instances that I'm going to describe to you. And I want to just name that as a really essential first step. It's actually almost like the pre-first step. So identify the power dynamics. All right, the first story that I want to tell you about occurred many years ago when I was teaching. And I'd had this conflict with another teacher when I think about the power dynamics, the one thing that does come to mind is that, well, there's two things. Okay, the first one is I was a more veteran teacher at this school, 
and the teacher I was having the conflict with was newer. Gender dynamics were also at play. I identify as a woman and he identified as a man. And that showed up in ways of communicating. It was present. I was aware that he he was also a white man from an upper middle class background. And I felt like he had a sense of entitlement and ability to sort of say whatever he wanted anywhere to share his ideas. And as I said, I was a more veteran teacher. I'd been at this school for five years since its founding. And I felt like he came in and just had all these ideas that he thought should be implemented. And so there was this conflict brewing and it it kind of was spilling over in different contexts. And I I recognized I wanted and needed to do something about it and say something. And so the first thing I did was I went to my co-teacher, someone I really trusted, and I had a really honest conversation with her. And I vividly remember saying things like, I don't even know why he pisses me off so much. And and I just kind of said everything and released everything. And she was a really good listener. And she asked me a couple of questions that actually provoked me or allowed me to unpack what was really triggering me, some of which was those gender dynamics, these sort of approach in which he had come into our school. And I was actually able to get into those and name them. And and then I remember another pivotal point in that conversation with her where I said, how would you say, and then I said whatever it was I was trying to express, which I couldn't think of how to say any other way than rather crudely, so like, how would you say this? And she gave me some words. She gave me some language. And then I said, okay, so I could say, because I kind of made it my own. And then I would say, like, well, what if he says? And so she said, well, then maybe I would say. And basically, we practiced. I never thought about it that way in the moment. I wouldn't have said, oh, we were role playing. But we were. That's what we were doing. And when I think back to this conflict I had with that teacher, this is what comes to mind more than anything, is this conversation I had with my co-teacher, who I super trusted, and how essential that was. When I think about the conversation I had with him, it was actually not that memorable. It was fairly short. I said a few things that I needed to say, he listened, he heard, he acknowledged hearing them. He said a couple of things. And I got to tell you, after that, our relationship improved so much. The way that he began showing up in our school really changed. His approach 
in meetings with me really changed. And I have to say, I actually really came to appreciate him and see everything he was bringing and offering and suggesting. And so when I think back to this conflict and how I dealt with it or engaged with it, the interactions with him in which the conflict was present really shrunk. And what really changed is how I understood what was going on, how I understood myself, and the support I got from my co-teacher. That's the first anecdote. Okay, second one was, ooh, maybe eight or 10 years later. And this was a conflict I was having with someone I supervised. And it was a situation in which I couldn't tell actually if there was unhealthy conflict that needed to be unpacked or whether there was healthy conflict that we needed to have. There was this kind of superficial disagreement between us. It felt superficial. And I really wanted to unpack that and understand. And this was a situation in which I was really aware of my positional authority, the fact that I was this person's boss. And in this case, I went to a colleague, someone else in my district who shared, who had a similar role to mine. And I talked through what was going on and he listened and he was really helpful at sharing what he did in situations when that came up. And again, I remember saying, how would you open this conversation? What would you say to open this? And I'm, I have to be kind of vague about this because, you know, I don't want to reveal um, confidentiality things. So I had to be a little vague. But the meeting I had with my colleague was invaluable in figuring out how to open the conversation, how to frame it, how to let the person know in advance what we were going to be talking about. And then the actual conversation I had with this person who I supervised was so good. It became quickly an opportunity I felt for us to have some really healthy conflict. Like we were unpacking an approach that we were taking in our work. I was being really clear about what was negotiable and what was non-negotiable about the approaches that we were taking. And then I was really interested in understanding what this other person's thoughts were and feelings and ideas and it became a really meaningful conversation that was super helpful to me. It became one which, again, along that continuum of healthy or unhealthy conflict, I felt like it began with what might have been a little bit of unhealthy conflict and quickly shifted into what became a super valuable conversation throughout which I was so aware of my positional authority and how I was showing up. I was aware of the equity dynamics and wanting to be really mindful of how I leveraged my power. What was so critical for me was that after that conversation I had with my direct report, I went back to my colleague 
the one who sort of shared a similar position to mine. And we really unpacked what had happened. And it was that debrief that helped me figure out, helped me really extract some learnings about conflict. Okay, third anecdote I want to tell you is about conflict that I had with my boss, with a supervisor I had in the Oakland schools. And this was a conflict that was brewing for about six months. And it got really intense. And prior, I, I, I just, okay, so I realized there was one conversation I realized I have got to actually be explicit, open this up. She's not going to open it up with me. I've got to say, here's what's going on. Because we were kind of skirting around the issue, but I was really nervous because she was my boss and she had a lot of power over me. And so, but it took about six months before I said, we have to have a conversation about this. And what it was about was we were really misaligned on values. I was not aligned to her values I didn't think that her values were aligned to our district's values or I questioned that. Prior to this conversation, I had a really intense conversation with a friend of mine, someone who knows me really well, who understood this context, and I shared what was going on and I really explored my fears and I really explored my fears, what I was willing to risk in this conversation, and what mattered most to me. And so, okay, I hope you now hear that prior to the three conversations I had about conflict, three conversations which were tense, which were difficult, prior to those three, I had a conversation with someone else with a friend, a colleague, with someone who could help me unpack what was going on. If you are going to have a conversation with someone in which you are going to address conflict or in which you are going to attempt to create some space for some healthy conflict or disagreement, my first suggestion for you is I urge you to have a conversation with someone else first. Get a place where you can practice. Find a place where you can practice, where you can get support to understand what's going on for you to practice. You don't have to do these conversations alone in the sense that you can set yourself up to have some support before, after, And this conversation I had with my boss was the hardest one ever. I vividly remember the moment we were on the phone. So I was actually going to have it at a, in a sit down face-to-face meeting, but then we were meeting about something else. We were on the phone and it came up again. And I just said in my mind, all right, it's going to happen now. And I so vividly remember I mean, this was years ago now, but I vividly remember where I was. It was raining. I was standing by a window. I was feeling all nervous and fluttery and my mouth went dry. And I just had to say what I needed to say. But I had prepared in that conversation I had had with my friend. I had unpacked the emotions. I'd figured out 
what mattered most to me, what I was willing to risk. And that gave me so much clarity on what I could say. So there I was talking to her on the phone. It was raining. My mouth was dry and I felt clear and articulate and I felt empowered. And she heard what I said. She disagreed with me. That was clear, but she heard me. And even though it was incredibly uncomfortable in the moment, and even though basically there was this bigger question that was raised, which really was, could I continue to work for her? I felt clear. I felt like I got my ideas across. I knew I had because of what she had said. I communicated effectively. And I had stood in my truth. I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not had that conversation previously with my friend. Here are my three tips for you. Number one, don't do this alone. Find someone you can talk to before you open up the conflict and whether that's going to be healthy or unhealthy conflict, find someone you can explore this with. We don't need to do this alone. When we do this with someone else, when we talk with someone else, we can also get ideas. We can bounce the phrases that we want to use off of them. We can hear how they have approached similar situations. So that's number two suggestion is practice. Practice with someone else. Hear what they would say. Say, here's what I'm thinking about saying, what do you think about that? And if you absolutely can't find someone else to do this with, then I want to encourage you to write down what you might say and imagine what the other person might say. Write an imaginary script. That is an opportunity to practice. And strategy number three, ideally you can do this with someone else but if you can't, you can do it alone, is unpack the emotions that are swirling around you within this situation, whether, again, you are in a situation in which the conflict is unhealthy or in which you need to create and be in some healthy conflict, unpack your triggers, Explore what else comes up for you in this situation. Explore it. Get clear for yourself so that when you go into the conversation, you're really aware of what's going on for you in the situation, the power dynamics that are at play, and what you might be able to say and do. I want to just emphasize I don't know. Okay. I hear so many people talking about trying to do the work of transforming schools, interrupting inequities, creating effective, resilient teams. I hear so many people talking about all of that and they talk about it and they're trying to do it alone and they don't have their own safe PLC. They don't have colleagues they can turn to. They don't have a coach. And every time I hear 
people talking about this, I just feel like saying you gotta find some community. You gotta find others to be with and process with and be yourself and be vulnerable with, practice with. I mean, some of this is technical. I remember when I had that conflict with the teacher and I went to my co-teacher and I just said, what would you say? I needed some technical assistance in crafting the language. Find your community. Find your community. It's one of the reasons, like, I'm going to be really direct with you. It's one of the reasons I've restructured how Bright Morning works to offer memberships and create spaces where the members in our community can come together and learn with each other. In all of our workshops, we include time, good chunks of time for breakout spaces, and we create intentional small groups that give people an opportunity to talk and share and practice. And we emphasize this because We don't want folks to come to our workshops and expect a traditional sit and get. I'm going to listen to an expert. Tell me things. We want people to know when you come to our learning experiences, part of what you get is connection to a community that wants to engage in the practice, that wants to dig into the emotions, that wants to unpack everything that's going on. And so find your community Come to Bright Morning for your learning opportunities. Find the people and the places in your professional networks that already exist. Find your people. All right. That is this episode in which I wanted to pull back the curtain on how I think about planning for conflict and dealing with conflict. I hope that was helpful. And thanks so much for listening. You know, if you enjoyed this show, I'd be so grateful if you could take a minute to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. And if you are interested in a deeper connection to the Bright Morning community, consider becoming a friend of the podcast. So check out the show notes for links to learn more about that. And take care, everyone.